existing on. <laughs> this is the Rookie Sports Report, hosted by Matthew Frizzell. Four runs off the Detroit Tigers, who are the 10th worst in all of baseball. And Logan Weber. But this man was swallowed whole by a whale. Presented by 96.9, 99.9, and AM 1060, ESPN, The Jock. Everybody love everybody! Come on! <laughs> oh, I love sports. And I love talking sports. And that's why we're here. On the Rookie Sports Sport Podcast. And, of course, as you heard there by that 10 out of 10 intro from Logan Weber. We're presented by ESPN The Jock. Matthew Rizal alongside said Logan Weber. That's me. We, that is you in the flesh. You were gone yesterday. Um, I'm assuming you were taking an extra day to grievance over the fact that the Iowa Hawkeyes once again oh. lost to Purdue in it's, Iowa. It's like this as the second ranked team in the nation. It's like this never ending cycle. I don't I don't understand what it is about freaking Purdue. It's the kryptonite. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes kryptonite for the black and gold. It's Purdue for whatever reason. You can't explain it in all sports. It's just one of those things. It's just like I think what it is with Purdue is like they just do things differently, so much, so much differently than Iowa does them. You know, they're like the anti-Iowa. Yeah, Iowa is. <laughs> yeah, Iowa is is run first. You know, they run in order to set up the pass. They run play action. You know, Purdue doesn't even run the football hardly. You know, it's it's four and five wide, and they throw it all over the yard. It's a, it's a true West Coast air raid type offense. And they've had really, really good receivers over the last seven or eight years. I mean, they had Rondale Moore, who now plays with the Arizona Cardinals. They've got David Bell now, who is projected to go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, depending on what you look at. I've seen him as high as, like, number 28 or 29. Yeah. Two falling as far as, like, the 70th pick in the third round. And they've got guys like Milton Wright, who they've got there now as well. But it just you know, they just do things the complete and polar opposite of the way that Iowa does things. And this is not an uncommon thing that we're that we're witnessing when it comes to you know Iowa wins a big game and the next week it's a letdown. It happened in 2017 when Iowa went out and beat the absolute brakes off of Ohio State. You know, everybody, every Iowa fan, everybody in the country expected Iowa to lose that game by 20 going in. Iowa goes out and wins 55-24, to 24, dashes Urban Meyer and, and JT Barrett and all those, dashes Ohio State's playoff hopes. Um, Nick Bosa was on the Ohio State team at that point. He got ejected in the second quarter for targeting. Ha! Huh. That helped. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, high, he lowered his head and hit our quarterback in the head when he was trying to throw stuff like that. So that definitely helped matters, but like, it was just one of those days. Back in 2017, I mean, JT Barrett threw a pick six on the first play of the game. The first offensive play of the game, you know, after the after the opening kickoff, right? The first, like, actual play of the game. First play from scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. JT Barrett throws a pick six. And it was just like, oh, here we go. It was just one of those days. And then the next week, Iowa goes out and gets beat by, like, 30 to Wisconsin. <laughs> and it's like, this was, you just beat a team that was probably 10 or 15 points better than Wisconsin. And then you just laid an egg. And that's exactly what happened. The offense absolutely laid an egg. But, you know, I, I, of course I was upset at the time. You know, my, my best friend, who's also a huge Hawkeye fan, um, he he FaceTimes me after the game. We both just sort of like air our grievances. That's cool. But, you know. Not uh, that you, they lost, but you guys faced yeah, each other. And it was just the the whole day was sort of tough. That, that entire Saturday. Because. Uh, Iowa, you know, my favorite team, the number two team in the country, they're 6-0. and They lose their first game of the year. My alma mater, Northwest Missouri State, undefeated on the year, the number two team in the country, they also oh, lose. They lost too? Damn. It was, it was a tough day, all right? And I'm watching, you know, I'm running the Missouri State game here at the studio on Saturday, and Missouri State had a great performance, a 37-7 bounce-back win State, against Indiana yeah. State, you know, after the, after the, the mishap at Youngstown. So they got back on track. So that was good to see. But, you know, I've got the we've got the edit computer in there. So I'm running the Northwest game on the edit computer, which, of course, I've got the sound off, you know, so I can right. fully immerse myself into listening to the Missouri State game. 
And then I had the the Iowa Penn State game up on the computer or up on the TV there in the new production studio via the ESPN app, which is solid. Even though the game was on ABC, but of course ABC is a partner of ESPN, yeah. right? Who uh, uh, both of those are owned by Disney because Disney owns everything. Uh, Disney seems like it. Disney yeah, now. owns ABC, ESPN, Hulu, Marvel. That uh, they own everything. So I had that. So I had both games running at the same time, so that was hard. You know, I had to watch both of them lose pretty much at the same time, within 10 minutes of each other. But, y- you know, it, yesterday I-, I sort of had chance to, uh, sort of had a chance to, to relax a little bit and, and really take it into consideration. Was it a tough loss? Yes. Was it a game we shouldn't have lost? Yeah. But that's Iowa, right? There's always one or two games a year that Iowa wins that they shouldn't win and loses that they shouldn't lose. You know, they they win games against better teams and they lose games against worse teams. I think that's what you saw these last two weeks. I think Penn State was probably the more talented team, right? I don't know if they were the better team, but they had more talent, right. you know? And that's sort of just the quintessential Iowa, right? Penn State is a team that has perennial top 25 recruiting classes. They're recruiting four and five-star guys, you know, ESPN top 300 guys, you know, that's what they do. Well, uh, meanwhile, Iowa's out here recruiting two and three stars, you know, like Riley Moss, uh, one of Iowa's starting corners who missed the game against Purdue, and that hurt. Ooh, yeah, he, dude. He, he, he's tied for the lead, tied for the, the, the NCAA lead in interceptions with four it, through seven games, and he didn't even play against Purdue. He was a two-star coming out of college. Iowa didn't even offer him a full scholarship. He was a gray shirt which is different than a walk-on. A gray shirt means that your first year on campus, you're, you're a walk-on. You know, you have to pay your own way your first year. And then after that, you're on scholarship. So he wasn't even a full scholarship guy when he got to University of Iowa. And he is deep in the conversation for the Thorpe Award alongside our other corner, Matt Hankins, who was a three-star coming out of Flower Mound, Texas. That's just what Iowa does, right? They don't recruit for, they, you know, if Iowa gets a four or a five-star recruit, typically it's like somebody, you know, like A.J. Epinesa, who plays for the Buffalo Bills now. He was a five-star coming out of high school. His dad played at the University of Iowa. So it's like a legacy thing. Family connections, yeah, Yeah, or somebody within the state of Iowa, which as anybody who is familiar with the state of Iowa knows, there's great football talent in the state of Iowa. But four and five-star recruits aren't, common in the state of Iowa. You know what I mean? It's these, you know, farm kids from, you know, from Dyersville or Iowa nowhere. You know, guys from Altoona or wherever, you know, and from Corden, Iowa. Shout out to my grandparents. Yeah, Corden or there. Yeah. You know, Mason City, Waterloo, like these random places that you've never really, uh, Solon. Solon, Apparently apparently Solon is like a, is an absolute factory for division one talent, like Tyler Linderbaum. Iowa's starting center, who is like a projected top 10 pick in the NFL draft from Solon, Iowa. <laughs> and he was a four-star. A defensive tackle. Still he a four-star. He was a four-star D-tackle that got moved to center during bowl prep for no reason, and now he's the best offensive lineman in college football. But, you know, that's that was that's sort of the dynamic that you see, right? Iowa beats a Penn State team that's probably more talented than them, and then they lose to a Purdue team that they were better than. and And that's just sort of how it goes. But... You look at it, and you know, you're yeah, you lost the game that you shouldn't have lost. You were six and zero. You had an opportunity to go to seven and zero, and really solidify yourselves as more than likely the team that was going to represent the Big Ten West in the cha- in the Big Ten championship game. Because if Iowa wins on Saturday, they move to seven and zero. They're four and zero in the Big Ten. Purdue would have been in second place in the Big Ten West with two losses. Iowa would have had a two-game lead on everybody in the Big Ten West with five games to go. So if Iowa wins three of their next five, they finish 10-2, and two, they, are the, they are the representative for the Big Ten West. Boom. Right? Now, you're technically a half game up on Purdue right now because Iowa is 3-1 and one in the Big Ten, Purdue is 2-1 and one in the Big Ten. But if they were to finish with the same Big Ten record... Purdue would have the, the advantage because they won the they won the head to head. Yep. So it, it's not out of the question that Iowa still makes the Big Ten championship. 
but it does make it considerably harder, and it makes it astronomically harder that Iowa would have a chance to represent the Big Ten in in the college football playoff. And sure. it just it's just frustrating because as this season has gone along, you know, since the you know Iowa beats Indiana, well, maybe Indiana's just not as good this year. They go into a game against Iowa State, a top 10 matchup, and everybody's like, oh, Iowa State is the better team. Iowa State's going to beat the brakes off of Iowa. Well, Iowa does the opposite. Iowa takes it to Iowa State. They control the game from the kickoff. Well, maybe Iowa State's just not as good as we all think. They go out and they play Colorado State and they play Kent State. They finally got their narrative yeah. when they lost to Purdue. Every time Iowa won a game, it was, oh, well, the team they played against just wasn't as good as we thought. And so... Or, you know, uh, like we've seen guys on college game day that were like, well, offenses in college football are just down this year. Iowa's defense isn't as good as everybody says they are. Blah, 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 blah. And they just proved that narrative right in a game that they should have won by multiple scores. And it just, you knew knew as an Iowa fan that eventually it was going to happen. This was going to happen, you know. The, the same thing can be said for, like, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, the, the, the offense performed so well throughout the year for the Kansas City Chiefs, defense for Iowa, but the Chiefs' defense or the Iowa offense wasn't holding up their end of the bargain that eventually there was going to come a time where the offense wasn't able to keep pace for the Chiefs or the defense wasn't going to be able to keep pace for Iowa. And that's exactly what we saw on Saturday with Iowa. You know, the defense has been really carrying this team for most of the year. And they played a Purdue team that just had their number. They game planned well. And they have, in my opinion, the best receiver in the Big Ten in David Bell. And it just didn't go well. And that's the same thing that we've seen with the Chiefs throughout this year, you know. The reason that the Chiefs are 3-3 three and three is because the defense has performed poorly and the offense hasn't been able to do what it has done in years past and keeping pace with whoever they're going up against. You know, there, there's been turnover issues. There's been uh, drop issues. All these things that have forced the Chiefs to now look at a 3-3 three and three mark. And that's what happened to the, the, to the Hawkeyes on Saturday. But it's not time to panic. If you're a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes, it's not a time to panic if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. But you do need to have, you know, the the panic button is not on, but there is a slight hum of that alarm bell in the back of your head. You just know where it is. You yeah. know exactly where it is. Yeah, and thankfully the Chiefs did win on Sunday because you would have had a brutal weekend if oh, they yeah, did lose to Yeah, the, it, it I'll, say, I'll say this. They didn't look that inspiring in the first half at Kansas City. They were down 13-10 to 10 to Washington. Then they realized... Oh, yeah, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. We're the most talented team, or one of the most talented teams in football, playing against a team that doesn't even have a mascot. Let's beat the brakes off them. And they did win it 31 to 13 there. Cowboys are also now, what, 6 and 1 now? 5 and 1, 6 and 1? 5 and 1. 5 and 1. Tops in the NFC East, which isn't much, saying much, the but still. NFC least. Still 5 and 1. And look. They're getting some talk like, hey, maybe they're the, maybe there's some uh, maybe they're Super Bowl contenders. Maybe you know they're not as bad as we thought. Oh, or here we from, go from the ESPN folks, and of course, guys like I, <laughs> I love it when Michael Irvin goes on with uh, Stephen A. Smith on a uh, first take, or whatever, and uh, he just totally just goths over the Dallas Cowboys. Does Michael Irvin, and you know. <laughs> I was kind of worried there at first. I'm not going to lie. I, I like, that, like that meme you had me there at first, not going to lie. Cowboys did not look that good against the Patriots, but they still found a way to win. Still won in New England for the first time in like 10, 15 years. And, you know, Dak continues to show why he's probably going to be the comeback player of the year. Another great performance there. Love that. CeeDee Lamb. Just continuing to get touchdown pass after touchdown pass. Former Oklahoma Sooner. I've had a couple of fans like, I had a fan of mine, uh, or a fan of mine, a follower of mine, tweet at me like, uh, Boomer Sooner after I posted the gif of CeeDee Lamb dancing because, of course, he got the game-winning touchdown. And then he waved to his defensive back like, hey, see a nice coverage, you know, dummy. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I love when the Dallas Cowboys win and 
They now head into a bye week, 5-1, and one, and their lone game that they've lost was in week one to the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, by two points. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you'll take that. You got that. We take uh, those. You got yeah, that so- Google Doc up? <laughs> The, oh, the Google Doc, yeah. Let's thought, get that. Let's get that Google Doc up and see who uh who had the most correct pickums this week. Let's see here. I haven't like fully uh made it yet. Like I, 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 of course, we made our picks, but I haven't like put it in, like green and red or whatever. Let's see here. So we both had Bucks and Eagles, right? Uh, we both <laughs> lost the Dolphins and Jaguars. I know, shocking. The ja- that's the, tough. The Jaguars have to go overseas to win. Apparently, I was, I was, I had an inner battle with myself about picking the Jaguars in this game, and I went against my gut, and it did not pan out for me. Yeah, uh, you won the the Bengals Lions pick. Am I? God, the Lions are so trash. Uh, Vikings and Panthers. Who did win that game? Was that the? Oh no, it was the Vikings won that game in overtime. Yeah, Vikings won an OT. You won that one. Uh, Texans obviously beat the Colts. We both picked the Colts to win that one. Rams beat the Giants. We also picked uh, the Giants or the Rams to win that one. Uh, Ravens got a big win against the Chargers. You picked the Ravens to win. Uh, that's another loser for me. Uh, Packers defeat the Browns. We both picked them. Cardinals defeat the Browns. Bears. Or Bears. Yeah, I mean. Packers beat the Bears. Bears and Browns are right next to I each know. other on my Google Doc, so my apologies. Uh, Cardinals beat the Browns. Um, we both picked the Cardinals. Uh, Raiders actually beat the Broncos, yet we both picked the Broncos, so <laughs> thanks, Denver. Uh, Cowboys beat the Patriots. We both picked the Cowboys. Uh, Seahawks beat the Steelers, in which the Steelers Pittsburgh beat the did Seahawks. win that one. Yep. Yeah, and then hey, I got I at least got one right. I I thought that the Titans would come out and have like a good performance against the Bills, and you're just like, dude, stay off the weed. <laughs> but no, I, I you were right. I was right. Titans won it last night over Buffalo, thirty-four to thirty-one. Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things. Yeah, Derrick Henry did. 20, 20 carries for 143 and three scores. Good now, let's Lord. hope he doesn't do Derrick Henry things against Kansas City next Sunday afternoon at noon yeah. in Tennessee, nonetheless. But now I call that a win for your side on week six because I got a few of them wrong. I got more of them wrong than you did. Uh, but, you know, you bring that up. I had on a tab here as well, and this is kind of an audible. I'm kind of changing gears here to another sport. But, of course, the NBA season starts tonight. Uh, I believe the Bucks and Nets have the first game at 6.30, and then after that game, you have the Warriors versus Lakers. Um, of course, that's going to be on TNT, I believe. So, But <laughs> this situation with Philadelphia oh, and it's... Ben Simmons, it's it, it's a total train wreck. So about a week ago now, a week or two ago, Simmons kind of ended his holdout and said, okay, I'm going to come back to Philadelphia or whatever. Well now, and this is all this is all have, have come within the last three hours. So I get a notification that he's gonna be sitting out game one for violating team conduct. Okay, I can understand that. Then about I'd say an hour ago, maybe even thirty minutes ago, got a notification. Doc Rivers removes Ben Simmons from practice, saying he's a disgruntled distraction. And then not ten minutes afterwards. In his post-practice presser, here is 76er star MVP candidate Joel Embiid talking about his feelings on the situation with his star teammate. Baby, see somebody. Uh, you know, we, you know, we get paid to go just on the court, go out, uh, play hard, uh, win some games. Uh, that's all we get paid for. We don't get paid to come out here and, you know, try to babysit somebody. And uh, So that's that's not our job, and I'm sure my teammates feel that way. But at the end of the day, our job is not to babysit somebody. So that's Joel Embiid talking about, like, his disgruntlement with 76 or superstar Ben Simmons and, like, <sighs> how much longer is Philadelphia going to have to put up with this? Like, let's be honest here. Why are they still dealing with this problem because with Ben Simmons? Because their price tag is too high. That's exa- I mean, that's all it is. Their price tag is too high. You know, and there's just... it's The, the whole thing is just this giant debacle on both ends. You know, the Sixers management and, co- and, and Doc Rivers. I love Doc Rivers to death. Celtics you know, coach, yeah. He's a, he was a former Celtics coach with the Big Three, won a title. You know, Doc is, he sometimes struggles with that sort of thing. You know, him and him and KG had their share of issues. Him and Ray Allen had their share of issues. Um, you know, I think with him and KG, it was there was a semblance of, you know, like, um, 
respect from both ends. You know, they both had had respect for one another. Ray Allen, that situation really, really did not go well at all. Um, but, you know, b- b- between Simmons and the Sixers front office and, and everything that's going on, you know, like Simmons comes back to practice. This was his third day back at practice um, after after skipping the first two weeks. He was practicing with the twos at practice the last two days. And as soon as they broke the huddle at the end of practice, he was gone. You know, and anybody who's played basketball at any level knows that, like, when practice ends, you stay a little bit later with all your your teammates, all your buddies, right? And you right. get you get some more shots up afterwards. Get you a little, do a little shoot bit around more going, work. yeah, right. And especially at the NBA level, right? Like practice might be two hours, but you're but, there for another two hours doing right, some shots, or, or, or there, you know, an hour beforehand and an hour afterward, or whatever. Playing you know, some one on one, getting shots up, yeah. doing some extra, you know, working with the trainer, whatever it is. Nope. As soon as practice would end, according to reports, as soon as practice would end, he was out the door. Bam, he was gone. First one out the door. You know, and that's not indicative of a guy with a great work ethic to begin with, but I understand where Ben Simmons is coming from. He's frustrated with the situation, as I'm sure the 76ers front office is frustrated with the situation. You know, I don't believe that the 76ers front office, this was what they had in mind. Well, no kidding, I'm no. sure that when they, you know, this was not their intention when they drafted Ben Simmons number one overall. But it just hasn't worked out. At no point has it worked out, and this is the, the boat that you've put yourself in on both sides. The 76ers haven't always done a bit the best job of getting Ben Simmons what he needs, and Ben Simmons hasn't done a great job of giving the 76ers what they were I don't know promised or or they what they anticipated what they were expecting from with Simmons. Ben Simmons yeah. right and so this whole situation is just a dumpster fire for both of them and it starts with you know Ben Simmons is basically tanking his trade value right that's what Ben Simmons is doing well and I want people to realize that and it's a very smart move and I respect what Ben Simmons is doing there's a lot of people that might not. But that's the beauty of today's professional sports. Yeah, okay, these or at guys least in the NBA. These guys get paid millions of dollars, blah, 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 blah. They're still human beings at the end of the day, and they still should have some semblance of control over their own lives. You know? In any in any life, in any other profession, if you don't like what you do, right? If you don't like your job or you don't like where you work, you can apply and go work somewhere else. You can quit and go do something else with your life. In professional sports, for the longest time, you couldn't do that. These guys had, these these NBA owners and, and front office people, they had so much control over the lives and the careers of their players that it was sort of disturbing. You know, and some guys at the highest levels had more control over their lives. You know, if Michael Jordan would have wanted to just up and leave Chicago, he could have, but he didn't want to. But then there's guys like Scottie Pippen, who if you've ever seen The Last Dance, Scotty wanted out of Chicago multiple times. He couldn't. So now you're seeing guys take control over their own lives and saying, I don't like the situation I'm in. I'm miserable here. I want out. And they'll be like, okay, you can get out. Now, the MLB still doesn't do a very good job of that, but I'll save that for another time. So Ben Simmons is doing what he can to try to get himself out. The 76ers are in no, it doesn't seem like they're in much of a rush to trade him because the value that they want back for him is astronomical. They want, you know, they want more than what the, than what the Pacers got out of freaking the Paul George trade, it seems like. They want like four first round picks and they want this and they want that and they want all these things. And it's like, Ben Simmons isn't producing like that guy. You want us to trade for Ben... You want us to, the trade value of Ben Simmons to be a guy that's a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA. He's not that guy. Okay? Uh, I, who's the 76ers uh, GM? I want to say... Daryl Morey, I'm Daryl sure. Morey, that's Former what Rockets I want to say. Yeah. No, it's actually it's Elton Brand. It was Daryl Morey. Oh, Daryl Morey's the fired. president of... Yeah. Oh, he, oh, he I got, thought he got fired. fired, I thought. I thought he was the president of basketball ops, but I mean, it, pff, you could see it. But yeah, Elton Brand, I forgot he is also with the 
Yeah, Elton, Elton, yeah, he's the president of the 76ers. You're right, Daryl Morey is. Okay. So, yeah, Elton Brand, Daryl Morey, he's not that guy. Okay, he's not that guy, pals. He's not that guy. This is not a player that you're going to be able to get four first-round picks and two veterans out of. Okay, it's not going to work like that. At most, I think Ben Simmons' trade value might be like two firsts, two seconds, and a pick swap. At best. Right? But they want to put themselves in a situation where if they let go of Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons turns into what people thought Ben Simmons could turn into when he got drafted in 2016, they don't look like idiots. Because the 76ers have done that. Right? Don't the 76ers look a little bit like idiots when they made that trade in the 2017 draft for the number one overall pick that the Celtics had? Yeah, then the third pick went to Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics. Who's been the best player in that draft class? You look, and you drafted, oh my God, what was his name? What do you mean? Who was the guy that the Sixers drafted number one overall? Right, <laughs> it's Ben Simmons. The, no, not, that was the next oh, year. Oh, Markel Fultz. Markel yeah, Markel Fultz. Fultz. The, the, he was a point guard out of uh, Arizona? Yeah, probably. Let's double check that real quick. I want to say Markel Fultz was an Arizona guy. Yeah, Markel Fultz, of course, the guy who... Has type, had a typer up on the old computer here. Oh, yeah. Washington Huskies. That's okay. right. Yeah, of course, the guy with the broken jump shot, but he's kind of figuring it out now in he Orlando. He is playing much better in Orlando. Right. He he fits that system much better in Orlando. And, you know, that's... That might be... You know, that could be part of it. Is It, it just doesn't seem like the 76ers can find a freaking point guard at all. So you've got Ben Simmons playing the point guard. And now you have a disgruntled point guard in Ben Simmons. Right, and, 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 and at 6'10", with his ability to handle the pass, yeah, him playing the point guard makes sense. But as sort of a point forward, you know, sort of in the same way that Luka Doncic plays point guard, where he's not always playing the point. But that's what Ben Simmons has to do. And because he's had to do that, his skills as a big at 6'10", you know, his scoring ability down in the paint has suffered because of that. And, and that may be part of his stunted development. I don't know. But it, it's it's just, this situation is only going to get worse for both parties involved. You know, the, the 76ers, are they going to get what they want out of Ben Simmons? No, you're not. No, they're not. So you mean you're going to have a disgruntled superstar who's not going to be playing your former number one overall pick, and he's just going to be sitting on the bench. Or hell, he's not even going to be at the games. He'll be doing yeah, so stuff he, elsewhere. Here, here's what's going to happen. If this continues, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, his trade value is going to drop. It's going to continue Even to drop more. Yeah. more and more and more. And you're going to have to take a trade that six months from now is going to be just idiotic to take compared to the deals that you were getting offered to you back in this offseason. You know? That I, some of the reports of like people offering them two and three first round picks that they turned down, you know, if this continues and you're midway through the season and you get you take a trade for two firsts and a second, you're gonna look like an idiot because teams were offering you a lot of picks and you turned it down for a deal that looks foolish now. Or the second option is you just hold on to him, and all that's gonna do is drag down your entire franchise. It's going to drag down Joel Embiid, Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. It's going to drag everybody down. It's going to drag your entire franchise down. And then pretty soon, Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, you guys might be out of a job. So figure it out. That's the thing I don't think a lot of people understand. People want to rag on Ben Simmons a lot. Ben Simmons has all the power right now. All of it. And frankly... I hope the owner, though, realizes what's going on, though. I'm pretty sure he does. But I, I think they all know what's going on. But I think that, that they're too... I, I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's determination to get the deal that they want. But I just don't see them getting what they want out of this. You know, with everything that's going on right now... With the Ben Simmons, do you really expect Ben Simmons to just you know get his one game suspension and become a first team All NBA guy this season? No, there's no way. There's absolutely but no I think way. The, but I think they'll just hold on to him just because you know 
we own you in some essence. We're not going to let you go and get you traded away for, you know, one first-round pick or and whoever, Simmons, whatever. And Ben Simmons is going to do the smart thing, right? He held out for as long as he could hold out to try to prove his point. So now what he's going to do is he's going to show up. He's going to go to practice. He's going to go to the games. Whether he plays or not, you know, he'll sit on the bench. When he gets in the game, he'll play, and he'll try to play at his best. He doesn't care. Because here's what's going to happen. He's either going to get traded, but either way, he's going to get paid. And if he stays in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is going to have to pay that $30 million a year contract. He's not going to sit out. He's not going to leave the team. You know, He's not going to refuse to practice or refuse to play. No, he's going to show up every day, collect his paycheck, and be like, thanks, morons, you're paying me to do nothing. Yeah, because they gave him the max already. Which Bingo! Ma- he which, doesn't care. Which makes the 76ers look more like idiots. And it couldn't have happened to a better franchise. I'm so glad Philly's having to deal with this Oh, BS. me too. I love it. I am a Celtics fan. And I'm a Lakers fan. So, yeah, I can't man. stand the 76ers. According to new sources from guys like Woj and Shams on Twitter, sources say Doc Rivers asked Ben Simmons to join a defensive drill today. Simmons refused. Rivers then asked again. And Simmons once again said no. Rivers then told Simmons he should just go home, and Simmons dropped the ball and left. Just okay, like just that. Just following coach's orders. Gone with the wind. So he's set. Simmons is set to earn 33%. $33 million. Uh, excuse me. $33 million this season. I was going to say 33% of the, the uh, cap. He's, he's already been paid half of that $33 million. He's uh, already gotten 16 and a half of it. Oh, Philly. Philly, Philly, Philly. Never change. Never change. And just respects from a Celtics fan, a Lakers fan, and just NBA fans in so general. Wh- it's what, so fun to why, laugh at. Why not trade the trade for some picks and then use that use that money, that $33 million, or I guess 16 and a half now, and all the money you got to pay him after that, you know, He's still on part of a five-year deal where he's going to get paid $177.2 million. You can trade him away, get those picks, and then try to sign somebody in free agency. I don't know. It just, this whole situation just doesn't, it, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder in the sense that I don't understand what the 76ers front office is doing. Oh my goodness! I I apologize. I'm once again getting off track here, but <laughs> I just got a picture of uh, I'm in a fantasy league with guys that I play PlayStation with, and in the league that I have, he has seven players on buys. Oh, oh, that's tough. Big oof. Big ouch. I've got two. Mike Williams, Dawson Knox, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Ezekiel. Okay, so six. Uh, Broncos defense, or correction, Mike Williams, Devin Knox, or Dawson Knox, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook. All on buys. Oof. That's half your team, man. That is a big I have two. I've got three. I had Dak, and I had uh, Greg Joseph, who is the kicker for the Vikings on buys. So, I had to throw in Matt Ryan, and I signed um, Young Hoku. Oh, yeah. From the Falcons just for this week, you know, and then I'll drop him. But uh, I'm 4-2 and two right now. I got a win last week. See, I am, too. I'm 4-2 and two as well. I was I was big happy. I got some performances out of some guys that I wasn't expecting to get performances out of. You know, Dak went out and did his thing. But once got- again, I went 1-1 one and one in my fantasy leagues. But in the $50 league that I have, yes, I got a total point total of 63. I had a... Oof. Horrible week Oof. in the $50 league because no one just wanted to show up. Devontae Adams led the team with like 14 points. Nobody else just, oh. Yeah, that's tough. So, like, Dak got me 32.8. Probably should have got me more. And they freaking fumbled at the goal line. It's fine. Should have been a touchdown anyway in the previous play, but <laughs> what do I know? It's fine. It's fine. What do I know in NFL officiating? You, you, at NFL officiating. It's what it is. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, Thank God the Cowboys won that game or else there would be no controversy whatsoever I made the, on that outcome. I made the smart play in recognizing that the Chiefs were playing the Washington football team. So you got their defense? I started J.D. McKissick. 
Oh, yeah, fair enough. For the first time all year. And he got me 19 points. He didn't run the ball very much, like, at all. He Still had got 19, though. Yeah, he had eight carries for 45 yards, but he had eight receptions for 80 yards. Or eight receptions for 65 yards, excuse me. Ideal. Miles Sanders got me 8.6, which, you know, in, in most weeks, I'm upset with that. However, the guy I was playing against, his running back scored 1.2 and 4.4. So I outscored him by 20 points at the running back position, which I ended up winning by 20 points. So that was very ideal. His receivers were really good this week. He had Stephon Diggs, uh, Deontay Johnson from the Steelers, and Cortland Sutton, who scored 23.9, 18.6, and 23.4 among the three of them. Meanwhile, Terry McLaurin was my flex receiver this week who got me 6.8. But Noah Fant, Broncos tight end, former Iowa Hawkeye, got me 24.7 points. And the, Bears, good de- game, yeah. the Bears defense lost. Right? They lost the game, but scored me 16 points, which is weird because he had the Packers defense who held the Bears offense to 14 points and only scored 13.9. So it's a pretty strange way how that, I don't know how that works exactly. Like, the Bears' defense allowed 10 more points, but scored more fantasy points. Whatever. I'll take it. I'm 4-2. I am tied for first place in my league with five other guys. We have six. It's a 12-team league, or a 14-team league. Jeez. Six of us are tied for first place at 4-2. and two. It's really bizarre. Oh, man. I, I, I'm going to depress myself looking at these standings. Uh, so in the league that I'm in, uh, the top teams are five and one. We're, we're in a ten-team league, ten-people league. The top team uh, in my division is five and one. There's two guys that are five and one, and then me and two other guys are all two and four. So we're three games back currently at the moment. But in my other league that I have with my PlayStation boys, you know. Get on there, play some. Ma- Actually, no, I don't play Madden. I don't. I don't play that BS. I wa- You know, I watch them play it, and I can just see the depression that they have playing it because the game is garbage, but it's the only football game you can play. There's no other. Fair. You know, there's no other league or whatever or game that you can play or whatever. So they can. Ju- they just continue to watch as you know, X Factor wide receivers catch balls in triple coverage, and they can do nothing about it. Uh, Anyway, in my other league with the PS boys, I'm actually owner of the second best record. I'm four and two in first place in my division. W. I'm not going to get any money out of it. But hey, you know what? Wins are wins. And right now, team that's winning a lot is the St. Louis Blues. Right now, they're two and zero on the season, and they got a nice win last night against a rebuilding team in the Arizona Coyotes, seven to four. Seven goals, eleven goals in total. That that is a lot of scoring. St. Louis Blues win that one by a final score of seven to four. You know it didn't look good early on. They were down two to one. Arizona got their first goal of the game, and then they got the goal that made it two to one. And then the Blues, in a matter of five minutes, score five goals and make it six to one at the end of period number two. Arizona got two goals of their own to start the third to make it seven to four or six to four. Excuse me, if I can do math correctly. And then, actually, no, six to two. Excuse me. Yeah, six to two. Not a math major. And then, shortly afterwards, Ivan Barbashev ices the game, makes it 7-4. to four. So, you know, the Blues, right now, the best team in the NHL Central with an outstanding record, stout record of 2-0. and Undefeated. Undefeated, yes, sir. On pace for 82 wins. <laughs> <laughs> they play tomorrow night against Vegas. Puck drop set for 9. 9! 9 p.m. That's way past my time. Where are they time. playing at? Vegas. Oh, okay. Las Vegas. So it's it's West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, they're on a West Coast swing right now. Then they come back home on Saturday, if I can get that correctly. Yeah, they come back home Saturday for their home opener against another West Coast team in the LA Kings, which Ayo. I got tickets to go to, so I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Looking forward to it. All right, any other odds and loosens? Ah, the postseason. The postseason Major baseball. League Baseball. Yo. Are the Red Sox going to go to the World Series? You They're playing bet hot. Bet your sweet bottom. Just so long as Kike Hernandez becomes, you know, Barry Bonds revitalized, that they'll be fine. Last night, winning against Houston in their first game in Boston, the two teams split the first two games in Houston, and the Red Sox win it handedly 
handedly Logan last night by a final score of 12-3. to Eduardo Rodriguez, the starter, got the win for the Boston Red Sox, going six innings, giving up five hits and three earned runs. Didn't walk anybody, which is really good. And he struck out seven. 12 runs on 11 hits yeah, for the Red Sox. Day. And they were, of course, aided out by a big grand slammy, salami by Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Schwarbombs. Schwarbomb. Schwarbombs from... Love it. You know, I'm so glad he's hitting home runs for the Red Sox now and not the Cubs. And batting leadoff, which is super weird. For, I, dude, not for like you just look at it and you say Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff, huh? And then you see first baseman batting leadoff. What? <laughs> Did you by chance see the play he had in like Game Four of the Rays series? He had a play where like he overthrew the pitcher on like his first attempt at an underhand throw, and then the next opportunity he had, uh, he got it down. He he didn't make an error and. He, Everybody celebrated on the team. He gave a curtain call and everything. Did you see that video, by the way? I did, yes. That was awesome. But just, I mean, what a good performance. You said, you know, Hernandez going Barry Bonds. He went two for four. Uh, but they got a lot of help out of a lot of different people. Rafael Devers had an RBI. Of course, Schwarber, had, Schwarber had the four RBIs. J.D. Martinez went two for three with two RBIs. Christian Vasquez went two for four with two RBIs. Bonus points for Christian Vasquez gets you hits and RBIs. No kidding. Always bonus points. Christian Arroyo went one for four with three RBIs. So you got a lot of help from a lot of different guys. And yeah, Hernandez is batting 615. In the postseason. Very ridiculous. Barry Bonds reincarnated. And thankfully so because he ha- he now has a 99 card in MLB The Show, which I plan on using and using a lot whenever I do get him. Yeah. And I mean, and, and Hunter Renfro went 0 for 2, but... He walked twice, scored runs on both of those walks, and made an outstanding diving catch in right field. So he's a gold glover right fielder. Yeah. He plays so great good. defense. So good. But I want to give a huge shout out to one person. Alex Cora. Okay? The manager for the Red Sox. Easy. <laughs> he he, you know, he did his he, he, his punishment yeah, 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 was yeah, yeah, his yeah. punishment was dealt. I know. Right? I I I said previously we need to move on from that, but I just I had to throw that in there because you said core. All right. I I am all for you know the trash talking and the other stuff, but I loved what Alex Cora did yesterday as the manager for the Red Sox. And I don't know if you saw this, but you know you mentioned that Eduardo Rodriguez got the win. He, at one point, I can't remember exactly what inning it was in. But he struck out Carlos Correa. Uh, I don't know if he struck him out. I think he forced Correa into a ground okay, out. Okay, right. Which ended the inning. Rodriguez is walking back to the dugout, and he does the, you know, the time thing, which is what Correa did after he hit the bomb in game one. You know, it's my time or whatever. Right. And so Rodriguez responds and does the same thing. And Cora let him have it from the dugout. Just shaking his head. No. No. Because, I mean, at that point, what, I mean, what was the score of that game at that point? Oh. It, I think I think, I think think that was at the maybe the, the top of the third or maybe the top of the fourth. So, yeah, I have the box score for tomorrow's game or for tomorrow's game, today's game. Uh, I mean, up. the Red Sox had already scored nine runs at that point. Like, yeah. right, this, it was this, nine to nothing at the end of three. Yeah. This ball game was pretty well in hand. You know, like, if it's a close game or a situation, like, I mean, just focus on what you're doing, you know? And I am I am one of those guys, I am all for the ribbing and the trash talking, all that crap. I love it. And I think it should 100% just just go for it, you know? But at that at that point, you know, you've got, you've got him already, you know? You got him out. You're up by five, six, seven, eight plus runs or whatever it was at that point, you've already got him. There's no need to go after him even more. Because here's the thing. There are guys at the professional level, and I've said this before on this podcast, you know, there different guys can react to trash talking in different ways. You know, there's the guys that are going to crumble. There's the guys that are going to talk trash back. Or there's the guys that are going to be like, all right, man, bleep you, and he's going to go out, and he's going to go three for four tomorrow. Or he's going to go three for four tonight. Whatever. And Correa yeah. can be, Correa Correa can be one of those one guys. one of those guys. Yeah. That he can, if you give him something that he can use as fuel, you know, he can Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. Baseball is one of those games that in a, in a, in a low-scoring matchup, 
You know, a three one to hit, one win. One hit can change everything. One guy can carry you to a win. One hitter can carry you to a win at times. You know, Correa could go three for four with five RBIs tonight, and the Red Sox could lose five to four. And Eduardo Rodriguez looks like an idiot. Ah, uh, I love it though. I do too. I, I do too. I guess, but I, I I want to applaud Cora for what he was able to do. Right. You know, like at that point in the game, with that situation, you've already got him down. Don't give them extra fuel. Sure. You know, you've got you you look like you're on the path to taking a two to one lead. You've got the home you've got the home field advantage now. At this point, you're still in Boston. Just take what you've got and run with it. Don't give them anything else. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not the trash talking that bugs me. It's the timing of it's it. It's the it, it it's not even the the timing. It's it's don't give those guys. You've already the got circumstances, them circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. You know you've already got them at that point. You've already got them down. You've got your foot on their neck. You know it's not like you're not squeezing or anything. It's just there. It's just comfortably resting. Like you know, like hey, we've got you, right? The reversal can still happen. You know the the the, the Strohs can win tonight and knock this thing up at two games apiece. But you've got your foot on the neck preparing for tonight's game four. You win tomorrow's game, there's a lot of pressure on that neck now. Don't give them any fuel to get your foot off their neck. You know what I mean? Sure. That's all I'm saying. Of course, game four is tonight. First pitch set for 7.08 p.m. The Grizzly, Grizzly, the Grizzled veteran Zach Greinke will go for the Houston Astros. Nick Pavetta, former Phillies pitcher, will go for the Red Sox. And also, in the National League, you have a 2-0 series lead for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. I'm, you know what? I'm so glad for it. The Braves right now are America's team, and I love it. I truly really love it, especially when the Dodgers lose, and they're on the opposite end of the equation. The Braves are up 2-0 in that series, and now it will head back to Los Angeles for a 4-0-8 first pitch, which is like 2-0-8 local time in Los Angeles. First pitch for that, like I said, 408. Charlie Morton will go for the Braves. Walker Bueller for the Dodgers. And of course, being a anti-Dodger fan, if that's even a thing, a hater, I guess you could say. A uh antagonist of the Dodgers. Use a nice little nice nice literal term there. I hope the Braves win this one in four. I really do. I can't stand the Dodgers. I like the Braves. I like I like all the young talent they have. You know, it makes you kind of wonder. How good would this team be if they had Ronald Acuna Jr.? Pretty good. Yeah, indeed. But and all I'm saying is if I'm the if I'm the LA Dodgers, I am praying to God that Will Smith doesn't get to pitch in this game. Oh, the their closer, yeah. He's won both games. He yeah. comes in, shuts the door, and they win the game. So let's hope for no ties in the ninth inning, because then Smith will, you know, knot that up, and then the Braves will score their run in the tenth, and then the Dodgers won't do anything else. For a Dodgers fan, I hope I'm sure that's what they're hoping for. As for just a baseball fan, I'm hoping, you know. Man, I mean, he's that. dealing. Five innings pitched in this postseason. He's given up three hits, two walks, five strikeouts, no runs. He's got a 0.00 ERA in the postseason. He's locked down. He's the left-handed version of Mariano Rivera. Throwing absolute lasers. And getting outs, which is the most important thing. Speaking of outs... I think it's time we get out of here for this edition of the podcast. Let's re-roll. Let's rerun here. Let's re-roll what we just talked about. We talked Hawkeye football. Ah, sorry. Yeah, as they lose to Purdue on Saturday, I didn't know it was a tough night for you though. I did not know Northwest Missouri State also lost. Yeah, it was not great. For was me. it a close game at least? Yeah. What was the score? Seventeen to sixteen. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. Had a chance to win it at the end through a pick. Ooh. And then. Was it in Northwestern, too? No, it was at Washburn, ah. which is in Topeka. Ah, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. 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 So, it was 17-14, to 14, Northwest driving. They threw a pick at, like, the three-yard line with, like, eight seconds left, right? Oh, in their own territory or in opponent's territory? In their opponent's territory. They were three yards from the end zone. Ouch. Yep. It, well, they were at, like, the 35, but the ball was picked off at, like, the three. So, it was, like, eight seconds oh, left. Okay, right? They okay, take okay. the shotgun snap. They just, quarterback sits back there, sits back there, runs out of the back of the end zone for a safety, makes it 17-16. And then they right they have to do like the free kick punt or whatever. Yeah, but at yeah. that point it was it was over. Yeah, I actually called my I called my first football win last Saturday. Nice. I was like zero and eleven. Yeah, I was zero and eleven prior to that, and SBU was playing Truman State. 
Truman State coming in at 5-1 and one with a running back that rushes for over 150 yards a game. The Bearcats hold him to 101, which is still really good, but, you know, they hold him in check. The Bearcats' offense, which is just outstanding, continues to perform well, and they beat Truman State 26-21 in an upset. And that was how I got my first win. And broadcast number 200, by the way, of yours is truly career. Nice. So, I had a good weekend. Apparently, also uh, did a lot of SBU fans because, of course, their team won their first home game of the regular season. They'd won two games on the road prior. They won against Lake Erie College, and they won against William Jewell, though. I mean, no offense to any Cardinal fans, but uh, <clears throat> a lot of people beat William Jewell. There. But they could. They haven't won at home until last Saturday, and really was happy for them, and now they'll be back home next week, not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday, against McKendry, which, dude, that's going to suck. Because they're both Bearcats, and they both, they're, both of their team colors are white and purple. Oof. I know. Why couldn't McKendry stay in the MIAA? And, you know, SBU could, you know, go to the GLVC. Was McKendry in the MIAA? I don't know. I don't believe McKendry was ever in the MIAA. Maybe maybe SBU should have just stayed in the MIAA. But then again, maybe (laughs) if SBU stayed in the MIAA, they'd probably be 1-5 right now. Maybe. I don't know, though. True. True that. All right, Logan, always a pleasure, and we'll do it again tomorrow. And also, folks who are tuning into the podcast and also big fans of Sports Talk with Art Hands and Wyatt Wheeler, we're going to be filling in for that dynamic duo with the young rookie duo, so we're looking forward to that. Tune in Thursday, 4 to 6, and we'll have a nice session there talking sports and whatever. Probably a lot of whatever, but who knows? Only the future knows. True. And we don't know the future. Logan, always a pleasure. We'll do it again tomorrow. Absolutely. For Logan Weber and Matthew Rizal, this has been the latest edition of the Rookie Sports Report podcast. And hey, remember, don't let anyone tell you the odds. The earth isn't flat, Kyrie.